This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Trevor Oldham. As a passive real estate investor, Trevor recognized the need for exceptional investors to share their stories on high-ranking podcasts. In 2017, he founded Podcasting You, which has since facilitated thousands of interviews and collaborated with hundreds of investors to amplify their message. In addition to his work with Podcasting You, Trevor is dedicated to pursuing his own investments in triple net deals, multifamily properties, self-storage developments, and mortgage notes. With a growing real estate portfolio, Trevor is always seeking new opportunities to expand his expertise and impact the industry. Welcome, Trevor. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Matt. Excited to be here. Great. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? I would say, obviously, the bio is good. I would say, you know, the biggest thing I like to get across is you know, I'm a young investor, you know, recently turned 26. You know, I find that I'm one of the younger passive investors in the space. So I always just like to put that out there for people that are listening, you know, especially to your younger audience. I think they might be a little too young to, uh, to passively invest. There's, there's always that opportunity, you know, no matter what your age is. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, when I was uh, 25, 26, I was th just thinking like, oh, maybe someday I'll be able to invest. Mm -hmm. So that's great that you're already getting going. Um, how did you get started with real estate investing? So I would say it probably came from my company. Like you mentioned in the bio and the preface that, so my company works with a lot of different real estate investors. And one day my business coach was like, why don't you invest in real estate? And I was like, well, I never really thought about it. You know, I've been around investors for for six years or so, and I never really got into real estate investing myself. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be active or if I wanted to be passive. And really what it came down to was started just poking around what my clients are doing. And then that took me sort of down the round to joining some network group, you know, networking groups. I know we'll get into it a little bit later, but that's really how I discovered it. And then I realized like, Hey, like my clients are, you know, they're raising capital for their multifamily deals, you know, for their self-storage deals. And I could potentially invest side alongside of them. And that was more appealing to me than necessarily going out and being on the active side and trying to find, you know, properties myself, it just seemed daunting. And then when I realized that I could go out and say buy a $75 million apartment building and I can invest 50K into the deal. And obviously you got, you know, you have a very small share of the pie, but if I could do that, you know, if I initially, my thinking was, if I want to own a $75 million, you know, dollar apartment complex, I got to put in what, you know, 15 million into the deal, whatever 20% may be. So then when I realized I didn't have to do that, and I could still own a piece of that pie, that's that's really what blew my mind. So it was really just that combination of just working with these investors for a very long time and then sort of being challenged by my coach to also invest in real estate. And I look at these guys, I mean, they're they're all very wealthy on their own, right? And I'm like, they must be doing something right. Why don't I just follow what they're doing? You know, they're investing in real estate. Why don't I just invest in real estate alongside them? You know, they're obviously, you know, wealthy and, and that sort of, you know, tip my mindset towards them. Yep. Excellent attitude. Uh, you know, school teaches us not to copy, you know, that's against the rules, but uh, in business and life, like copy the other successful people and you'll have a great chance at success. Exactly. And then are you currently passive or active or a bit of both? Yep. So right now I'm just currently passive. So I'm in four different deals right now. So I'm in a, I'm in a mortgage note and then I went into triple net lease, then into self, self storage development deal. And then a multifamily deal. So I'm in four deals right now. I've thought about being active. I just like being I just like being passive. You know, it's for me just right now in the time and place, I feel like it just makes more sense. I just don't know if I want to deal with I call them like the three T's, you know, your tenants, termites, and toilets, you know, sort of deal are going out there and you know, actively managing the deal. 
I like not having to talk to anyone. You know, I don't have to deal with tenants. I don't have to deal with, <laughs> you know, anyone like that. I can just put that money into the deal. And yeah, that's, so that's really the four deals that I'm into right now. And then I'm on the sideline right now, you know, just trying to save up the money to, to get into the next deal. I'm hopeful by, you know, I got into my that self-storage deal in February. So hopefully I can get into that next deal probably sometime at the end of this year, you know, looking at probably October, November. But you know, that's my goal. If I can get into one or two of these deals a year and just keep building up that, you know, that cash flow coming in on the side, I, you know, that's really why I'm, you know, being that passive investor. Yep, exactly. I, I hear you there. When I first got started, I was self-managing some small multifamily and, and those 3 a.m. phone calls about like a homeless person in the building or things like that, like, oh, not enjoyable. It's great when nobody knows you're one of the owners. <laughs> exactly. And so why did you decide on these different asset classes, the triple net multifamily self-storage and mortgage notes? Yeah. So initially I got into the mortgage notes and I like the triple net lease. They made sense to me. I literally, I like the cash flow aspect of it too. So between the two of them, they're paying out seven to 10% per year, you know, paid out monthly. So I like that initial distribution. If I'm putting, you know, say for these deals, like 25K into them, I like getting that initial cash flow. And now, you know, that was nice. And then I realized I want to grow my money as well. So that's where I decided to go into that self-storage development and that multifamily deal where that self-storage deal, I'm not going to receive any cash flow until at least 12 months out because they're, you know, they're developing the self-storage facility. And then similar with the multifamily deal, I think the first year cash on cash return is like, you know, three or 4%, you know, a very small number, heavy, you know, more value add project. And so I like the both aspects of them where I know if I was going to invest, I needed to see money right away just to put my mind at ease. And that's why I decided to get into the mortgage notes and into that triple net lease. And then I realized, you know, I'm still, you know, pretty young. I want do want to be a little bit more aggressive. Like on that, on that triple net lease, you know, I'll potentially double my money in six to seven years. Where the self-storage development deal, you know, I think it was a 2.9 equity multiple, you know, over five years. So potentially triple my money in five years, but obviously I don't receive any cash flow, you know, during year one. So there's obviously more risk to that, but there's going to be more reward. So I like the balance between the two of them where I do like that monthly cash flow coming in. And then I also like that aggressiveness, you know, going after more that more aggressive deal where I can, you know, you know, hopefully triple my money. And you know, for me, really, I'm just looking to double my money in five years. You know, I look at it, if I have my money in the stock market, you know, hypothetically, if everything goes well, you're doubling your money in seven years. So if I could put it in real estate and double it in five years, I could potentially retire in 15 years sooner. So that's why I really like the real estate aspect, the numbers just make sense. You know, if I'm getting a 10% return in real estate versus say an 8% return in the market, you know, it makes a world of difference. So I'm not trying to blow it out of the water, but if I do get that, you know, three X in five years, you know, that's that's phenomenal where I'm not necessarily going to get that with that triple net lease opportunity or that mortgage note opportunity. Yep, and that's fair. And also you get tax benefits with the real estate ownership that you don't mm -hmm. get so much with the stock market. Yep, yep, exactly. That was nice. I know when I got the, uh, the K1 this year, you know, and got to write that all, got to write that all off. That was, <laughs> I wish I was that real estate professional status. That would be nice oh. to, to be able to deduct all of that, but it was nice to, to get that income down to zero. Yep. Excellent. So how, do, how have you found your deals that you're invested in? Yeah. So for me, it's just been a lot of networking. It's been a lot of just reaching out to sponsors. So I'm a non-accredited investor, so I can only look at 506B deals, which means I can't be advertised to, and I can't invest in accredited deals. So that makes it a little bit tougher to be non-accredited. So the first deal that I had gotten into, um, but I guess both deals, the mortgage note and the triple net lease opportunity, I just found those people on bigger pockets. I just saw them posting and I took a look at their company, saw on their site that they were open to non, 
accredited investors and then just talk to them and probably was on their email list for about three or four months before I felt comfortable. And then from that, I really challenged myself to reach out to between three to five new sponsors a week. And over about a, I don't know, four or five month period, I probably spoke to about 20 to 25 sponsors. And then I just kept a running checklist of, of our conversations to see who was good, who wasn't good. And that's what really allowed me to build it out. Just using a lot of like LinkedIn, trying to find those sponsors, reaching out to other non accredited investors saying like, Hey, who did you invest with interviewing those sponsors? Um, I joined a community called left field investors and it's a big passive investor investor community. And they talk a lot about different sponsors on that, on that forum or on that platform. So I joined that and got access to, you know, see other non-accredited sponsor or non-accredited, you know, opportunities. And that's really what I did is just started reaching out to these folks and trying to figure out, you know, who's good and who's not. And I find that a lot of the sponsors I would speak to, you know, they all sort of same like, around the same thing. Like, you know, we got a really good deal. You know, you get the tax, you know, you get the write-offs, you get the equity multiple. So it's a lot of the same stories, you know, coming over and over again. So it'd be hard if I spoke to one person and invested with them right away. You have to speak to like 20 or 25 people to get different stories and to sort of get like a gut check, especially someone coming from me where I never invested in real estate. You know, none of my friends and family invested in real estate. You know, if I'm putting 25 or 50K into a deal, you know, that's, not like not if I lose it, it's not the end of the world, but I don't want to lose that money. So how can I make sure I'm protecting my downside? You know, I'm sure Matt, you saw that it was that multifamily operator out in Houston, you know, and his he went mm -hmm. belly up on a three hundred million dollar portfolio. Like, how do I make sure that I'm not investing with someone like that? Or there was an oil and gas company that, that we were talking about in the investor forum, and it didn't it sounded too good to be true. There was a two hundred percent depreciation recapture. If you or I put a hundred K in year one, we could write off 200K. They were promising 10% quarterly returns, you know, quarterly, you know, that's, mm. you know, and then sure enough, you know, it comes out as a Ponzi scheme, you know, last, I know you can see it, it was, you know, it came out, I don't know, about two or three weeks ago from the SEC, you know, they came out with the $155 million Ponzi scheme. So you just got to protect yourself because if I didn't talk to many sponsors, you know, I wouldn't have that idea of like what makes a good deal or what makes a, you know, almost like a scary salesman in a way where if you're like, you're telling me I'm going to get, you know, 20, 30% returns, you know, every year, that's going to scare me. I'm just looking for that standard, you know, 12 to 16% IRR at the end of the deal when that deal, you know, officially sells. And when someone tells me they're giving me 350% return on my money, you know, that makes me look the other way, you know, not to say that couldn't happen, but that scares me. Like they just happened to hit a home run on this one deal. You know, did they just catch the peak of the market back in 2021 before, you know, everything's gone belly, not belly up now, but you know, with the rising interest rate and different things like that. So just talking to all those sponsors is what really helped me. And when you're talking to all these different sponsors, you know, what are, what kind of questions are you asking or how, how can you tell whether or not a sponsor is a good match for what you're looking for? Yeah. So I would say one, I have like, you know, go through their deals, you know, have, have them explain that to me. I ask them, you know, has there ever been a time in one of your deals where something didn't work out? And if so, why? And then, you know, if why, you know, what, what did you do to, you know, prevent it. Like, obviously there's going to be things that happen in deals that no one can foresee, but how do they overcome that? I asked to speak to some of their current investors that they have with them to make sure that's good. And then what I do is if I really want to invest with the sponsor, so I'll, you know, I'll talk to them. I'll be on their email list for about a month or two, three, four months, however long. And then I'll ask them questions. And then I want to see their response time. So like to give you an example, I'll, the first deal or one of the, let's say the triple net lease deal, the more regional funds, I didn't ask too many questions. It just made sense. And in my mind, but the triple net lease deal, I asked the woman a lot of questions and she would get back to me, you know, within a couple of hours of me sending her an email 
where there was another deal I wanted to invest in, a, a different multifamily deal, I would ask the person a question and they would get back to me two or three weeks later with the response. And that's and that's me not even putting my money in. So like once I put my money into that deal, you know, what's to say you're going to be even slower to respond, especially I'd rather have more communication, you know, and I'm not asking for much. I just want, you know, timely response to email within a day or two, you know, and just to get either, you know, monthly or quarterly reports on the deal. And it just scares me if you're not being communicative in the beginning. And then once I'm ready to invest in the deal, I'll do a background check on the sponsor. And just to make sure like everything is a-okay with them. You know, I don't mind if there's like a speeding ticket or two or they ran a stop sign, nothing, you know, that doesn't really scare me because you're looking over 20, 30 year period with that individual. But like I found a deal I was going to invest in and the guy had back taxes out on his business for like the last five or six years. Mm. So that tells me if this individual can't pay their taxes, you know, that worries me about me putting my money into that, into that deal. So, you know, it's just all that sort of that background check, you know, looking into them, talking to past sponsors and really doing that before I can pull the trigger and and invest with them and just trying to get a full sense of, you know, who they are and, and what they're doing. And yeah, that's, that's just the biggest thing is just really just doing your due diligence. Again, if you're putting a sizable amount of money into it, you want to make sure it's gonna, it's gonna go well, because you're, you know, you're pretty much locked into usually about five to seven years, you know, with that sponsor. So you want to make sure you can withstand that relationship with them for that the duration of time. I think that's a great point about the background check. I think few investors actually do that or ask for it, but uh, you know that can certainly bring up some red flags like the back taxes, like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, so uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about this group that you're in, the left field investors. Yeah, so it's a, so it was a group. So I wanted to just get around other passive investors and I didn't know that there was this group and I eventually came across it. And I think it was, I was hesitant about joining it just because it was about 200 bucks a year to join. But I initially pulled the trigger and it's very nice. So it has, it's basically like an online forum and they have, you know, this is podcast and, you know, deals and stuff that they help facilitate, but basically it's a forum and you can go on. It's made up of mainly passive investors and they talk about different sponsors. So I could say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about investing with this sponsor. Has anyone else worked with them? You know, and I can put them there. I can talk about sponsors that I've invested in where maybe the deal didn't pan out as, as well. So it's a very nice community. I think there's over a thousand of us in there that are all just talking about passively investing. And what really changed the game for me is I was a part of this group. And about a few months later, they had a meetup in Boston. And I decided to go to the meetup in Boston. I was able to connect with, I don't know, maybe six or seven of the group members, you know, all W-2 employees. And it made me really realize that if these folks are W-2 employees, they're investing in real estate, then maybe I should invest in real estate as well. So just meeting up with those other passive investors in person, you know, really changed my mindset. And that was actually where I learned about that deal that I was telling you about, about that oil and gas deal that went belly up. Cause they were talking about it and they're like, yeah, well, I would stay away from that. You know? And, and I was like, Oh, like, cause to me as a newer investor, you know, I was only two or three months in at that point, you know, that deal sounds phenomenal to me. Luckily I couldn't get into it because I was not accredited and I was accredited only, but yeah, just being around those people every day. And they're always posting in that forum. It's, it was an invaluable resource for just like a learning curve, you know, pouring over all the resources that they have there. Yep. That makes sense. And then tell me about uh, your company podcasting you. Yeah. So I started the company back in 2017. And like, really what we do is we just basically take a, basically help folks in the real estate investment space. So always see there's so many different niches in the space. You could have your multifamily self-storage, you know, mobile home, home park, you know, you name it, you know, CPAs, attorneys. And we basically just place our clients on podcasts um, to really help them grow their business, get their get their word out there. And it's been a, you know, it's been a good profitable business. I never really expected it. I 
I was just freelancing my way back in 2017 when I was still in my college dorm room just to pick up some extra money on the side and kept finding people that wanted to get booked on podcasts. It was still like early in the space and kind of ran with it for a year or two. And I was like, hey, this could be an actual business. And then, you know, then I decided to, you know, maybe it's time to get a business website and and to hire some employees. And yeah, that's that's sort of how I how it started, just sort of on a whim. You know, I had started my own podcast back in 2015, really, before too many people were doing it. I just wanted to interview cool entrepreneurs and and business owners and did that for about two years, you know, learning all the skills on my own, like editing and writing show notes and booking guests. And then that's really, you know, did that for about two years, honed in on my skills and then freelanced it and then, you know, grew it, you know, grew the company to what it is today. So I've been on the podcast space almost eight years now. It's it's definitely changed a lot in the eight years, but it's it's been a good run and hopefully continues going forward. Nice. So if uh, there are investors out there that are looking to get onto podcasts, they can reach out to you for that? Uh, yes, exactly. Excellent. And oh, so I want to add to one thing that you said earlier. So as a non-accredited investor, you're primarily investing in, in 506B, but you can also invest in Regulation A offerings as well as uh, crowdfunded deals. Yep, correct. Cool. Are you ready for a speed round? I'm ready. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? I would say getting that cash flow, that ACH coming in every month. I think for me, you know, right now, my goal is to grow that passive income stream up to $500 a month. You know, I'm at about, I don't know, three, three something a month coming in right now. So like, that's what I'm trying to get to my next deal before the end of the year. And then, you know, potentially grow that to that $500 a month. And I just look at it as like, you know, like I almost look at it as a springboard within, no, not right away, but maybe 10 to 15 years down the road, that passive income stream could be enough where I could retire early. And that's really the goal. And I just like, I don't have to deal with any of it. You know, obviously the active part of it, I find is talking to the sponsors, but then the passive sides, you know, investing in the deal. So it's not as passive as I think people make it out. You got to still, you know, get on a phone call and talk to sponsors, but I, I just like that passive cash flow coming in and, you know, getting that ACH, you know, wire transfer distribution coming in every month. Yep. Excellent. Uh, what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? I think I wish I just started earlier. You know, I think that was like the biggest thing. I think for me, the, the scariest thing was almost like the fear of the unknown. It's like, I don't know anyone that's invested in real estate. You know, I, I'm in that community. So obviously they're investing, but no one like personally that I know. And I think for me is like, once I put in that first, you know, 25 K into the deal and sort of like, you know, ripped that bandaid off, I was like, wow, like, that's pretty nice. You know, then I got that first distribution and then I was like, oh, I want to get into more deals. And then that's why I ended up getting to those, you know, next three deals or so as I just, I enjoyed it. I just wish I had done it sooner. I wish I wasn't as fearful as it. Cause again, you just hear, you know, not that many people are passive investors. You know, the majority of the population is, you know, 401k IRA individuals. So it was a little unknown, but I just wish I had done it sooner. You know, I wish I could have got that cash flow a long time ago than, you know, waiting until last year. Now, what's your advice for you know new investors to get over that hump to be able to actually invest in their first deal? Yeah, I would say one, talking to sponsors, you know, talked about 20 or so sponsors and, and definitely that can seem daunting. But if you figure if you try to talk to two to three new sponsors a week over, you know, two to three month period, you can talk to about 20 or so different people. And it's not like you're wasting your time. You just want to make sure that you understand what you're doing and what you're placing your money in. So that was that was the biggest thing I recommended to new investors. And then two, you just got to do it. You know, at the end of the day, you just, you know, I remember I was like super nervous, you know, wire transferring that money over almost like, almost like shaking, you know, super, you know, super anxious. But once it was done and I got that first, you know, wire transfer over, you know, it was good. And you, and you can get scared of those stories. Like I know we were talking about that guy out in Houston and then that oil and gas company, that's two out of, you know, thousands of sponsors that are putting together deals that are all good people, 
you know, there's only those few rotten eggs that you're going to hear about in the Wall Street Journal or, you know, coming out there. So it's it's few and far between. The majority of, the, you know, 99.9% of sponsors are going to be in there looking in it for you. And then I guess in it looking there for you, I would just make sure that the sponsor you're investing in also has some of their own skin in the deal. So that's always a big thing that I'm looking for. And what I mean by this is making sure like if they say, hey, I'm investing 100K into the deal, but I know that's just the asset management fee that they're getting, say one or you know one or two percent that they're going to be making from putting the deal together. You know, I want them a little bit more than that, just to make sure they're alongside of us, not that they're just putting these deals together. That's just something I, I look for, you know. And I, I don't know if everyone does that, but that's just something I just want to make sure if I'm investing my money, they're investing alongside of me. And I find that the majority of sponsors are, you know, they're not just you know putting deals together to to have deals together. Yep, great point. What's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Sure. I recommend The Wealthy Gardener. Um, I know the big one, you know, uh, passive investors always recommend is, you know, The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. But I like The Wealthy Gardener. That's one I read, I don't know, about two or three years ago. And that's just a, a very good one. It's about a chiropractor. He was on the active side, but he just talked about how he built up his portfolio to 200000 a year and, you know, net cash flow from his real rental properties. But he did that over like 20 years. So I thought he was just very good. A lot of times you hear these stories of people that, you know, they built up to, you know, 40 units in three years and, and different things like that. I thought his story about like everything that he went through, how hard it was. Like, I don't know, it was very, I just feel like it wasn't cut and dry as much as it usually is when I read about these stories. I think people make it sound too simplified at times. So I found that book is very good to realize, you know, what it really takes to be successful, you know, especially on the active side in the real estate space. Yep. It's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. Uh, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Sure. So they can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's just going to be under my name, Trevor Oldham. And if they're interested in our service, they can just go to our website, uh, podcastingu.com. It's just podcastingyou.com. Good. I'll include those in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Uh, no, no, I think we should be good. I think that any passive investor, you just, you just got to jump in. You know, I guarantee you it's going to be well worth it. All right. Well, thank you, Trevor, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.